0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Greatest Love Stories. Abraham Bram Stoker has been immortalized as the author and creator of the gothic novel Dracula, which was first published in 1897. Interestingly, during his lifetime, the Irish born author was not known for his writing, but for being the personal assistant to actor Henry Irving, the business manager of Irving's Lyceum Theatre in London. Stoker graduated from Trinity College in Dublin with honors, earning a BA in mathematics. And serving as president of the Philosophical Society. He pursued writing both fiction and nonfiction, his first paper titled Sensationalism in Fiction and Society. Stoker was inspired by Joseph Sheridan Lefanu, acclaimed for his vivid Gothic tales, particularly the female vampire character Carmilla. Stoker went on to write Dracula in 1897, which became the pillar of Gothic romance, adapted countless times in numerous literary forms for generations. He also wrote a few great short stories, and today's story, Greater Love, is one of them. I hope you enjoy it. We was just standing here at about eleven in the evening, and the moon was beginning to rise. We could see the little patch of light growing bigger and bigger, just as it is now, and we knew that before many moments, the light would be up over the sea. My back was to the sea, and Bill was leaning against the handrail, just like you now. It ain't much, sir, after all, leastwise to you. But it was, I, and it is, a deal to me, for it has all my life in it, such as it is. There's a deal of poetry and storytelling in books, but Lord bless you, if you could see the heart right through of even such men as me, you'd have no need of books when you wanted poetry and romance. I often think that them chaps don't feel a bit more than we do when things is happening. It's only when they're written down that they become heroes and martyrs and such like. Why, Bill was as big a hero as any of them. I often wished as how I could write that I might tell all about him. Howsoever, if I can't write, I can talk, and if you're not in a hurry, and I'll wait till I tell you all, I'll be proud. It does me good to talk about Bill. When I turned around and faced Bill, I see his eyes with the light in them, and they was glistening. Bill gives a big gulp and says to me, Joe, the world's a big place big enough for you and me to live in without quarreling, and mayhap the same God as made one woman would make another, and we might both live and be happy. You and me has been comrades for long, and God knows that. Next to Mary, I'd be sad to see you die, so whatever comes, we won't quarrel or think hard of one another. Sure we won't, Joe. He put out his hand, and I took it sudden. We held hands for a long time. I thought he was in low spirits, and I wished to cheer him, so I says, "'Why, Bill, who talks a dying that's as hardy as we?' He shook his head sadly and says, "'Joe, I don't value my life at a pin's head, and I ain't afraid to die. "'For her sake or for yours, I, even for her pleasure, I'd—no matter. "'Just see if I turn coward if I ever get the chance to do her a service.' "'Well, we stood there for a long time. "'Neither of us said a word, for I didn't like to speak.' although I would several times have liked to ask him a question. And then I gave up wishing to speak, and began to think, like him. I thought of all the times Bill and me had been friends and comrades, and how fond we were both of Mary, and she of us. You see, when we was all children, the little thing took such a fancy for both of us that we couldn't help liking her for it, and so we became, in the course of time, like big brothers to her. She would come down on the shore with Bill and me and sit quiet all day and never say a word or do anything to annoy us or put us out. Sometimes we'd go sailing, and then she would come and sit beside whoever was steering till he'd ask her to come up and sit on his knee. Then she'd put up her little arms around his neck and kiss him and would stay as quiet as a mouse till she'd have to change her place. That was the way, sir, that we both came to be so fond of her. And sure enough, when she began to grow up, "'Bill and me wanted none other but her. "'And the more she grew, the prouder we were of her, "'till at last we found out that we were both of us in love with her. "'But we never told her so, or let her see it, "'and she'd grown up so amongst us that she never suspected it. "'She said so long after. "'Then Bill and me held a kind of council about what was to be done, "'and so we come to be talking on the bridge that night. "'Mary was growing into a young woman.' and we feared that some other chap might take her fancy if one of us didn't get her at once. Bill was very serious, far more serious than me, for I had somehow got the idea into my head as how Mary cared for me, and as long as I felt that, I couldn't feel either unhappy or downhearted. All at once Bill's face grew brighter, and there was a soft look in his eyes. Joe, he says, whatever happens, Mary must never hang her head. "'The lass is tender-hearted, and she likes both of us, we know. "'And as she can only love one of us, "'it might pain her to think that when she was marrying one man, "'she was leaving a hole in the life of his comrade. "'So she must never know as how we both love her, "'if we can prevent it.' "'When we got that far, I began to grow uneasy. "'I began to distrust Bill, God forgive me for it, "'and to think that maybe he was fixing some plan for to cut me out. "'I must have been jealous.' that was it. But I was punished for my distrust when he went on. Joe, old lad, we both love her, and we love each other, and God knows I'd go away, and willin', and leave her to you. But who knows that mayhap she'd like me better of the two. Women is queer creatures in letting a fellow see their hearts till they see his first. Danny stayed quiet, and so I says to him, How are we to manage to do that, Bill? If we tell her, "'Won't you know that we both love her? "'And you said you wouldn't like her to do that.' "'That's just what I was thinking of,' he says. "'And I see how we may do it. "'One of us must go to her and find out if she loves him, "'and if she does, the other will say nothing.' "'I felt feared, so I asked him, "'Who is to go, Bill?' "'He came over and took me by the shoulder, and he says, "'Joe, so far as I can see, the last cares for you the most.' You must go first and find out. I tried not to appear joyful, and I says, Bill, that isn't fair. Whoever goes first has the best chance. Why won't you go, or why not draw lots? Well, I've had many a hard tussle in my time, both with men and things, but I never had such a struggle as I had when I said those words. Joe, says Bill, you must do all you can to win it yourself. "'and don't let any thoughts of me hinder you. "'I'll be best pleased by seeing her and you happy, "'if so be she loves you.' "'Then he stood up from leaning on the rail, "'and says he, "'Give me your hand before we go, "'and mind, I charge you on your honor as a man, "'never while I'm living to let Mary know "'as how I loved her, "'in case she chooses you. "'So I promised. "'I felt Bill's hand grip like a vice, "'and then we turned and walked away home, and never spoke another word that night, either of us. Well, I didn't sleep much that night, and when it began to get the morning, I got up and went down to the sea and had a swim, and that freshened me up somewhat. I wasn't much of a swimmer myself, but I could manage to keep myself up pretty well. That was the point where I envied Bill most of all. He was the finest swimmer I ever seen. Well, he did many things well, and no lad in this county would come near him in anything he chose to do but in swimming, none could come and nigh him at all, and many's the time it stood to others as well as himself. Well, when I had my bath, I went up toward Mary's home and found myself going in to ask her straight off to marry me. Then I began to think it was too early for Mary to be up, so I stole away on tiptoe and walked round the house. Then I thought I'd go and look up Bill and came and nigh his house, but when I came to the door, as I didn't like to knock, I thought I'd spear in and see if he was asleep. So I stole to the window and looked in. I never shall forget to my dying day what I saw then. I wasn't a bad fellow, thank God, at any time, but I couldn't be a bad fellow or do anything I thought very wrong after that. There was Bill, just as I had left him the night before. He had never changed his clothes, and the candle was flickering down in the socket, unheeded. He was kneeling down by the bed, with his arms stretched out before him, "'and his face down on the quilt. "'That was thirty-seven years ago, "'but it seems like yesterday. "'I thought at first he was sleeping, "'but I saw from a movement he made "'that he was awake. "'So I stole away, guilty-like, "'and went down and stood beside the sea. "'I took off my hat "'and let the wind blow about my forehead, "'for somehow it felt burning, "'and I looked out over the sea for long. "'Somehow my heart beat "'like as if it was lead.' "'and I felt half-choked. "'I don't know how long I would have stayed there, "'only for Bill. "'He came up behind me "'and put his hand on my shoulder, "'and he said, "'Joe, what are you doing here?' "'I turned, startled, "'and I saw that he was smiling. "'I was so thunderstruck at seeing the change "'that for a moment I said nothing. "'And he says to me again, "'Joe, I thought you'd have more to do "'than think of eating this morning, "'and it's bad to court on an empty stomach.' "'So come up to my place. "'I got breakfast for both of us.' "'I couldn't realize that this hearty chap "'was the man I saw praying after the long night. "'I looked at him keenly, "'but I, c- I could see no sign of any actin' in his face. "'He was happier and livelier than ever, "'and in such good spirits that he made me happy too. "'I couldn't forget how I'd seen him a short while since, "'but I laid the thought by and didn't let it trouble me. "'I went up to his place. "'It was clean and tidy as ever.' and the breakfast was ready. He made me eat some, and when I was done, he brushed me up and tidied me, and he says, Go on a win, old lad. God bless you. Well, I went away towards Mary's house, but before I lost sight of Bill, I turned, and he waved his hand to me with a kind smile, and then he went in and shut the door. We'll return to our show right after these sponsor messages. And now, back to our show. I went on toward Mary's, but the further I went, the slower I got, and when I got to the garden gate, I stopped altogether. I stayed mooning about there for a while, till last Mary sees me and comes out. I don't know how to tell you what took place then. I ain't more bashfuler than a man of my years ought to be, but somehow it comes rough on a man to tell this kind of thing. Oh no, it ain't that I don't remember it all, for I do, and well. But you see, you won't laugh at me? I knew you wouldn't. I ask your pardon. I'll say what I never said yet to any mortal except Mary, and that only once. So Mary comes out to me running like a little girl with her face all dimpling over with pleasure, and she says, why, Joe, what brings you here at this hour? Come in, Joe. Mother, here's Joe. Hope you had your breakfast, Joe. Come on in. I felt that I'd never have enough courage to speak out before her mother if I went into the cottage, so I stayed beside the gate and let her talk on. As I looked at her then, I could hardly believe what I was come for. It seemed like doing something wrong to try and change her from what she was. She looked so lovely and so bright that it seemed a pity ever to wish her to be anything else, even my own wife. And besides, the thought came to me and hit me hard that mayhap she wouldn't have me after all. I tried to think on that, but Lord bless me, I couldn't. It seemed something so terrible that I couldn't think it. However, I stood still, saying nothing, till she began to notice. I wasn't used to be sheepish before Mary or anyone else, so when she had done her talking, she looked at me sudden, and then her eyes fell, and after a moment, she blushed up to the roots of her hair and says, Joe, what's the matter with you? You don't look as usual. I blurted it out all in a moment. No, Mary, nor I ain't the same as usual, for I'm in trouble. She came close to me before I could say any more. She wasn't looking down or blushing then. And she says, Oh, Joe, I'm sorry for that. And she put her arms on my shoulder. Then she went on in a kind of tender voice. Did you tell Bill? Yes, I says. And what did he say? He told me to come to you to me joe she says and she looked puzzled yes i says in despair like i'm in trouble mary for i want you to marry me oh joe she says and drew away a little then she says to me with a queer look on her face joe run and tell bill i want to see him to come as soon as he can Well, them words went through me like so many knives, and if ever I could have hated Bill, it would have been then. What could she want Bill for, I thinks to myself. But to find out if he loves her too, and to have him? I thinks how mad a woman would be to have me when she could get a man like Bill. I was afraid to say anything, so I set off for him, for I figured I wouldn't be able to tell him if I didn't go at once. I tried not to think when I was going down the road, "'but I couldn't get her words out of my head. "'They seemed to keep time with my feet, "'and I heard them over and over again. "'Tell Bill. "'I want to see him. "'Tell Bill. "'I want to see him.' "'At last I got to the house "'and found Bill inside, mending a net that hung against the wall. "'He turned round quickly when I came in, "'and his heart began to beat so hard "'that I could see it thumping inside his guernsey. "'He saw I wasn't looking pleased.' "'so he came near and put his two hands on my shoulders "'and looked me in the face. "'What's going on, Joe?' he says, "'and I could see that he was trying to control himself. "'When I told him the message, "'he began trembling all over "'and got as white as a sheet. "'Then he says to me in a thick kind of voice, "'Joe, how does she look when she said it?' "'I tried to tell him "'and asked him to hurry on. "'In a minute,' says he, "'and went into the other room.' When he came back, I turned round, expecting to see him got up a bit, but there he was, just as he went in, in his old work clothes. But he was quiet-looking, and he had a smile on his face. "'Bill, old lad,' I says, "'aren't you going to tidy up a bit? Mayhap Mary like to see you neat.' "'No,' he says, "'I'll go as I am. If it be as it may be, she won't like me none the worse for coming quick. And if it don't be, well—' Come on, Joe, and don't keep her waiting. Well, we walked up the road without saying a word. When we came in sight of Mary's cottage, it seemed darker to me than it had been. Mary came out of the gate to meet us, and when she spoke to Bill, I dropped behind. They, too, went into the arbor that we had built for her. They sat talking for a few minutes. I could see them through the hedge, and at last I saw Bill bend down his head and kiss her. She put her arms round his neck, and kissed him, and at that the whole of the light seemed to go out of the sky, and I wished I was dead. I would have gone away, but I could hardly stir. I leaned up against the hedge, and didn't mind any more till I heard Bill's voice calling me. I came in at the gate, putting on as good a face as I could, and came into the arbor. Bill and Mary was standing up, and Bill's face looked beaming, while Mary's was red as a rose. Bill beckoned me over, and when I come near he says, Well, Mary, shall I tell him now? Yes, Bill, she says in a kind of a whisper. So he says to me, Joe, I give her to you. She wouldn't let none do it but me, for she says she loves me like as a brother. Take her, Joe, and love her well, and God bless you both. He put her in my arms, and she clung to me. I was bewildered, and I could hardly see straight, but when I came to look about, there was Mary in my arms, with her face buried in my breast, and her arms round my neck. Bill was making down the road, upright and steady as ever. Even then, for a moment, I couldn't think of Mary, for my thoughts went back to when I saw Bill kneeling beside his bed, with his arms stretched out, and I felt, if you'll believe me, more sorrow than joy." I know now that Bill had wrestled with the devil that night, and threw him, if ever a man did. I suppose I needn't tell you what Mary and me said. It wouldn't sound much, at any rate, although it pleased us. When I felt that she loved me, I forgot even Bill, and we was happier than words could tell. Well, the time went on for a month or two, and we was thinking of getting married soon. I was getting my cottage ready and spending some of the money I'd saved to make it bright for Mary. Bill worked with me early and late, but it wasn't only his time that he gave to me. He would often go into the town to buy the things I wanted, and I'm sure he never got them for what he told me. I said nothing, for I knew that it was only hurt him, and it was little enough that I could do for Bill to let him help if he chose. I used to watch him to see if he wasn't unhappy, but i never seen a sign of sorrow on him. He always looked happy and bright, and he worked harder than ever, and was kinder to all around him. I knew he didn't forget for how could he forget Mary and I feared at times lest he might fret in secret but I never seen him grieve I could hardly imagine when I would think on it how Mary came to take me or love me when Bill was around well the time wasn't long going by for we was happy and had all our lives before us and at length the day came round before we was to be married. It was Easter Sunday we was to be married on, and all the people as knew Mary and me, and that was all the village, was going to have a grand holiday. We was to go and have a feast out on the island, and we was getting the boats cleaned and nice and smart for the occasion. Of course, everybody had to bring their own inners, but we was to join them all together and make a grand feast. We had got a cask of beer, and we was to have great doings and a dance on the grass." "'There's the finest sod for dancing in the countryside out yonder on the island, "'and we'd got Mike Wheeler to bring his fiddle, with an extra set of strings. "'We weren't to come home till evening when the tide turned, "'and then we would have a race home. "'Well, Bill and me, we both took tea at Mary's house that evening, "'and when we came home, Bill asked me to go into his house for a while "'and have a quiet talk. "'We lit our pipes, drew up our chairs, and sat down by the fire and puffed away.' "'without saying a word for some time. "'And then Bill says to me, "'Well, Joe, "'there won't be a man in church tomorrow "'that won't envy you except myself. "'I thought of him kneeling down by the bedside that morning "'when he said that, "'so I thought to tell him. "'I put down my pipe "'and came and put my arms on his shoulder, "'as I used to do when we was boys together, "'and told him all I knew. "'He just shook hands with me and says he, "'Joe,' "'It was a hard fight, but thank God I won. "'I've crushed out all the old love now. "'Why, lad, tomorrow she'll be your wife, "'and I'll care for her no more than any other woman. "'As a sweetheart, I mean, "'for I'm a brother to her now as long as we live, "'and to you, Joe. "'It ain't that I think less of her, "'for I'd walk into the fire for her this minute. "'But uh, I can't explain it, Joe. "'You know what I mean.' Bill, I says, you've been a true friend to me and Mary, and I hope we'll always be able to show how much we both love you. May God judge me hard when I die if ever I have a hard thought of you, as long as I live. We said no more after that. I went out, but came back in a minute to tell Bill to be sure to come and wake me if he was up first. But when I was passing the window, I seen him hanging a coat up over it. It wasn't that he thought I'd spy on him again that he did that. I saw that in his face, but he feared I might see him again somehow, and that it might pain me. Well, I woke up in the morning as soon as it was daylight, and went down and had a swim, and then came home and brushed my new clothes, and laid out the shirt that Mary had worked for me herself, and washed as white as snow. Then Bill came down to me. He was to take his breakfast with me that morning, and he came all dressed for the wedding in a new suit of clothes. He was a real handsome, fine fellow at any time. "'but he looked like a gentleman that morning. "'Then I thought that Mary must have done right "'to choose a laboring man like me "'rather than a chap like Bill "'that was above all of us, "'except in his heart. "'We went off to church "'and waited till Mary and her mother came. "'All the people was there outside the porch, "'and some of the gentlefolks was inside. "'The Squire's family was in their pew, "'for you see, Mary was a favorite with them all, "'and they came early to church "'to see her get married.' I felt very solemn then, but I could hardly feel as how Mary was going to marry me. There she was, as lovely as an angel, and blushing like a rose. I said my, I will, in a low voice, for it seemed awkward to me to say it loud. But Mary said hers out in a clear, sweet voice, and then the parson blessed us, and spoke to us so solemn that we both cried, and Mary nestled up close to me. When he came to kiss the bride, Bill was first, and claimed the kiss, so the other lads had to give up. Bill bent down and took her pretty face between his two hands, and kissed her on the forehead. Again the wedding was over, it was time for service, so we all went to our seats, and I never felt solemner in my life than I did then, and nor did Mary either. When the service was over, we all came out, and the people stood by on both sides to let Mary and me walk down the churchyard together and go first out of the gate. We all went down to the beach, where the boats was ready on the shore. Some of them was freshly painted, and a couple had bright ribbons tied about them. Bill's boat was the one that Mary and me was to go in, and Bill himself was to pull stroke oar in her. She had got for a crew three of the young fellows we knew best and who was the cracks at rowing, and we was determined to race all the other boats to the island. The lads had all run on before us, and when we came down to the beach, the boats was all ready. "'and the baskets with the dinner put in them. "'So we all got on board, and off we started. "'Mary and me, we held the rudder together, "'and Bill and his lads bent to their oars, "'and away we flew, "'and in a quarter of an hour came to the island, "'leading the others by a hundred yards. "'We all got out, "'and the lads carried up the baskets to the slope up yonder, "'where you see the moonlight shine on the island, "'where there was a fine, level place on the edge of a cliff. "'The grass there was short and smooth as a table.' "'and when you stood on the edge of the cliff, "'the water was straight below you, "'for the rock went sheer some forty feet. "'Mary and me stood there on the edge "'while the lads and the girls got ready the feast, "'for they wouldn't let us put a hand to anything, "'and we looked at the water hurrying by under us. "'The tide had turned, "'and the water was running like a mill-race "'down away past the island, "'and running straight away for the head "'off there as far as you can see. "'The currents is very contrary here, "'so you better not get caught in them "'when you're sailing.' Or swimming. We all sat down, and if we didn't enjoy our dinner, all of us, it was a queer thing. And after dinner was over, the girls insisted on having a dance. We got the things all cleared off and danced away for some time. And then someone proposed blind man's bluff. One young fellow was blinded, and we all stood round, and then the fun began. The young chap, Mark Summers by name, used to make wild rushes to try and get someone. And then the girls yelled out, and they all scurried away as quick as they could, and the fun grew greater and greater. At last he made a dive over to the place where Mary was standing near the brink of the cliff. We all yelled to her to take care where she was going, but I suppose she thought it was merely our fun, for she laughed and screamed out like the others, and stepped backward. Before anyone could stop her, she went over the edge of the cliff and disappeared. I was sitting up on a rock, and when I saw her fall over the edge, I gave a cry that you might have heard a mile away and jumped down and ran across the grass. But a better man than me was there before me. Bill had pulled off his jacket and kicked off his shoes and was at the edge before me. Before he jumped, he cried out, Joe, run for the boats, quick. I'll keep her up till you come. I can swim stronger than you. I didn't wait a second, but ran down to where the boats was drawn up on the beach. Some of the chaps came with me as hard as they could run, and we shoved down the nearest boat, but in spite of all our efforts, and we were so mad with excitement that not one of us but had the strength of ten, it took us a couple minutes to get out fair on the water. Well, when we was fair started, I pulled so hard that I broke my oar, and we had to stop to get another, and then we had to row all the way around the spur of the rocks out there before we could even see whereabout Mary and Bill should be. The men and women on the rocks screamed out to us and pointed down in their direction, and the boat flew along at every stroke. But the current was mortal strong, and they'd been nigh for five minutes in the water before we caught sight of them, and it seemed to me to be years before we came anigh them at all. Mary was weighed down with all her clothes, and Bill with his, and in spite of what a swimmer I knew Bill was, I feared that we'd come too late. At last we began to close on them. I could see over my shoulder as we rowed. I could only see Mary's face, but that was beacon enough for me. I called to one of the men to slip into my place and row, and he did, and I got out into the bows. There was Mary with her face all white, and her eyes closed, as if she was dead. Her hair was all dragging in the water, and as the current rolled her along, her dress moved as it was as if it was some strange fish under the water. I couldn't see anything of Bill, but I hadn't need to think, for I knew that where Mary was there was Bill somewhere an eye to her. When we came nearer, I saw where Bill was. He was down under the water, and with his last breath he was keeping her afloat till we came. I saw his two hands rise up out of the water, holding her up by the hair. But that was all. Many's the time since then that, in spite of all I loved Mary, I was tempted to be cross with her. For we laboring men is only rough folk, after all. "'and we have a deal of hardship to bear at times. "'But whenever I was tempted to say a hard word "'or even think hard of her, "'them two hands of Bill seemed to rise up between me and her, "'and I could no more think or say a hard word "'than I could stand quiet and see another man strike her. "'And I I wouldn't be like for to do that.' "'Well, we took them into the boat and came home. "'Mary recovered, for she'd only had the shock of her fall.' But when we took in Bill, he was done in. He'd kept his word that he spoke to me that night. He gave up his life for hers. You'll see that on his tomb in the churchyard that we all put up to him. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man shall give up his life for his friend. There's no more left like Bill. And Mary thinks it too, as well as me. Thanks for joining us for 1001 Greatest Love Stories. We appreciate your reviews, and we appreciate your sharing our show with others. It's great to have you with us. We'll be back next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Everybody stay safe, and we'll see you then.